Yeah, so there's a lot going on over here. While we're talking, while we're talking, he's gonna be doing art. Yeah. Like that concept. <laughs> I knew you would like that concept. I like it a lot. So every, every time when we perform, I have an artist on stage that always paints while we perform. Really? Yeah. Wow. You know I'm in a rock band. No. Oh yeah, I'll show you. What's it called? The Black Guns. <laughs> nice. I love that. Black Guns. All right. Cool. Yeah. Um. Okay, so this show is called Humanizing the Icon. Mm. And before I even get into it, I want to ask you, what is that phrase conjured for you? Humanizing the Icon. Well, if you're referring to me as an icon, you know, you know me. I look at myself. I know that I'm a superhero. I don't even think. So when you say humanizing, it means like, you know, finding the relatable things to the masses that I do. You know what I mean? Yes. Which is what makes me a superhero. So making what you do accessible to the masses. Well, I go through the same things that everyone else goes through. I just react to it differently. Okay, we're gonna come back to that. So, welcome to Humanizing the Icon. Um, Chelio, can you say hello? Hello. hello. Okay, we don't see you, but... Um, well, we can see him on the screen, look. Oh, there he is. Hi, Chelio. Okay. So, so, so put that, show, show this. Somebody help work this camera too. So it's all very experimental, people. This is our it's first in-studio live. This is art. So like Chelio Bord- he's, he's drawing right there. Chelio Bourdine is a perception artist, originally from Italy, right who, tra- <laughs> who transforms the energy of our talk into live art, just with the use of energy in a fountain pen. Humanizing the icon was birthed out of the exploration um, with my film, Mary Pickford. Um, she's the mother of Hollywood, the mother of the storytelling field. And the film, as you would expect, is not a conventional biopic. Right. So there's actually art. There's nothing about you conventional. <laughs> exactly. Of pop culture icons in the movie because Pickford is their mother. Right. She was the first celebrity, the first female producer. She was the birth of Bohemia in Hollywood. Nice. And the art was invited to the Venice Biennale to be curated in an exhibit in Venice in 2019 called Humanizing the Icon. So this chat series, this talk, this podcast was birthed out of the exploration of peeling back the masks we wear, persona, identity, spirituality, all the way to pop culture. What is icon? By definition in the dictionary, it's actually an image. Um, So lots of things have come up talking to visionaries and artists on this show, and I'm very excited to hear what you think of um, humanizing an icon and you were saying you are a superhero and you don't do things the way anybody else does things. I don't react to things the way anyone reacts to things. Yes. My approach and my narrative is a little different. Can you elaborate on what makes it different? Well, you know, I make a point not to do what everyone else is doing. You know, I look at the masses like going through an airport. They tell you when they get in line, what gate to go to, when they get searched, when they show ID. The masses always have a master. You know what I'm saying? So I don't want to be controlled. So I don't want to be a part of what everyone else is doing. I want to do things different so I'll be the only one in control. You know? So I've always felt like, you know, the things that are implemented in our world are meant to control us just like when you're in an airport. The things we're taught, the patterns that are implemented daily, and they've just never been good for me. So I've always made sure I did everything different. And also, like I noticed people are scared. You know what I mean? They don't dream. These are the type of things that I make sure that I do. No fear and dream big. And then have action behind me. You know what I mean? So 
I just try to break patterns because I just have this sense that anything that's been put or told to us in the last <clears throat> hundred years was told for a working class to stay working. Right, <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? They teach you how to have a job, but they don't teach you how to make money. You know what I mean? Would you consider that a form of slavery? It's completely a form of slavery. It is slavery, you know? But the, pro the trick is to make people not think they're slaves when they are. How, how did this trickery begin? What's the point of origin? I guess when you wanted people to build things for you for free. <laughs> you know, you wanted people to, have to give you labor. Like pyramids had to get built. Like honestly, <clears throat> from what I really have read, you know, we come from a slave race. It started with the Anunnaki's, you know, coming here to mine gold and turning humanoids into humans so that they could build those pyramids. You know, and that's in the Emerald Tablets. And that's also in the Dead Sea Scrolls, you know what I mean? And if you look at any sort of hieroglyphic or any sort of religion, it always talks about someone coming from the sky, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And there was no way that gorillas could have turned into humans and evolved in that period of time. It, it just can't happen. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I feel like we've been programmed for slavery because that's what we were developed to do. And that's how people have to control the masses by making them think they're free when they're not. Thinking, getting debt, working and having a nine to five, only to be able to afford eating and living. I have nothing else, no more money other than credit to buy other things, which makes you get more jobs so you can pay for that credit. And then you only relax when you're 65. So would you say that the system, the system you're talking about, these programs you're talking about, are a form of icon? Because we don't really understand them. I understand them. I understand that I don't want to be a part of it. But the collective doesn't seem to understand it, right? Right. Okay. Well, they don't. Ex they, again, they've been programmed not to understand it. Are you they're are you saying they're victims? Well, well, it's it's a thing where when you're born, and the minute you're born, someone's telling you something day in and day out. Then it's hard not to really believe that that's actually the case, especially if everyone else is doing it. Mm -hmm. And again, I I or I already know that. Thousands of years ago, people spent years figuring out how to control people for thousands of years. When you know did I mean? you discover this was a program? What point in your life, what was a pivotal experience you can explain that awakened you to that? I think when I was four years old, I was in nursery school and the teacher yelled at me. And I felt funny, like, you know, when Fred Flintstone starts shrinking? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I don't like the way that feels. And I made a conscious effort to make sure I never feel that way again. And it meant learning how not to give a fuck what anybody's saying. And I never felt that way again. I've never felt like that Fred Flintstone shrinking when Mr. Slate's yelling at me. But I see people shrink all day. I just, four years old, I was just like, that's not my narrative. And I can choose, I can like choose to feel a way or choose not to. So you design your own reality? I design how I react to things, yeah, and definitely I architect my reality. I think about what I want, and then I focus real hard. I visualize it for more than a minute and a half. Because anything that you think about for more than a minute and a half becomes a manifestation. You know, so if you think about negative shit for more than a minute and a half, and it's gonna happen. Like literally, this shit was funny, cause I don't know how this shit happened, but when we were on our way here, cause usually I'm powerful in a better way. So we were driving, where there's usually traffic, I'm like, yeah, there's no traffic here today. I like that there's no traffic. <laughs> Literally, a sign came from nowhere, right then in that moment, and said stop. And we were literally stuck for five minutes. And it was like just four seconds ago, as soon as I said, 
no traffic, bomb. And that was like opposite energy. Usually when I do that, it would be no traffic, but I don't know what happened to it. But it's just, it's just weird how shit be happening. So on that note, in terms of manifestation, would you say along your journey, because I'm really interested, you've reinvented yourself and your wheel I multiple times. You evolve. Okay. It's not a reinvent, it's get better. If you stay the same after 10 years, you're a moron. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And I see people do that. So if you don't get better, it's like if you practice something every day and you don't get better at it, something's wrong. Like if I'm jogging on a treadmill every day and I'm not losing weight, then I'm doing something dramatically wrong. But anything you do over and over again, like especially living, that's why I don't understand why people will do the same shit over and over again with the same result. They want a different result, but they still react the same way and expect a different result. Einstein says that's insanity. Yeah, that's insane to me. So what, could you describe another, outside of being four years old, pivotal moment in your journey when you felt this like big aha moment and you were gonna course correct, you were gonna consciously evolve? In the first grade when I started going to like a white school uh-huh. and I noticed how they was trying to treat me a little fun, like why are you doing that? Cause I'm black, I'm punishing you. And that was also another one for me too. Like realizing that motherfuckers that I thought were weaker than me were trying to control me and I was getting ready to punch somebody in the chest. So I've always punished my oppressor. And I've always punished, not actually no one oppresses me. I've always punished the bully that's bullying other people. That's what I've always had, I've always took pride in that. You know, I like to oppress the oppressor because usually the oppression comes from insecurity and fear. So you really scared of me if you're trying to control me. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not trying to control anybody. If you think you're gonna do something, I'm not, go ahead, try. I'm not gonna try to make you and trick you into be- believing you're weaker than me so you don't do nothing to me. I'm not scared of you, go live. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And that's what racism is, and that's what criticism is, and that's what worrying about other people is. It's all insecurity. And when, Every bit of it. When did you fall in love with art? Consciously? Yes. I realized I loved art, I think after Rockefeller, when I was like so like protective of the artist. I never cared about the administrator. I, I always thought the administrator was corny. I always fought for the artist. And then that's why I opened up art galleries, which you came to, yes. DD-172. Yes. And I you know everything I was doing, I was like, this shit is corny. And I decided to do it on my own. And I like to look at people that I am inspired by as muses. So, you know, like Rocky became a muse and certain different people became people that I was like, let me figure that life out but bring luxury to it. You know, and I just was able to like, just architect, and I think that's important, is to know what you want, as opposed to like letting life give you. I'm like, nah, I'm gonna architect, I'm gonna write that script, or else someone else will write it for me. And I like comedies, I don't like horror flicks. I want my life to be a, a, a comedy, I wanna have fun. But if you let somebody else write the script of your life, it's gonna be what they want. And they may not enjoy the same things you enjoy. And what did Rockefeller represent in your life? Was that a transformational experience? Because it was you just were... my teen years. Like, that was my 20 to 30. I was Rockefeller. How did that evolve? It evolved into me doing DD-172. But how did the, the birth of Rockefeller for you, that, that era, how did you come into that? Well, I was a drug dealer. Okay. And I didn't want to sell drugs anymore, but I didn't want a regular job. So I was like, oh, we could do this. But it ended up being harder than a regular job. But, you know, the benefit the way you actually touch people and affect people is very major, you know, you become very influential and it becomes a very responsible thing because when you're doing things that people are emulating, you have to do the right thing. You know, when you're projecting negativity, 
then you're going to have a bunch of people doing negative things and you're going to be in a negative world. Was that something you learned later or you knew that in real time? No, I, I learned that. Right. You know, again, I, I, I started rocking when I was like 19, 18, mm -hmm. 20. So I was a kid. You know, but the things I thought about as a child were a lot different than what most people thought about. It actually made me a man because it was always me making sure everyone else was all right as opposed to just myself. So what I noticed is people are so much into like self-preservation. Yes. Yes, it does. That they just don't know how to give a fuck about anyone but themselves. Mm -hmm. It's like unconsciousness, though. You know, like blank. Some people be blank. Like zombies. They just, yeah, they're just like, fuck everybody else. It's all about me. Just walk into a room and don't give a fuck how they affect anybody. Did you find that in the hip-hop world? I find that in the whole world. Right, but I'm specifically in that. The whole world. Right. I didn't just deal with hip-hop. You saw what I was doing. I was playing with, I was beating you with ping pong, you and Julie Pacino, <laughs> in the gallery. That shit ain't have nothing to do with hip-hop. Right. You know what I'm saying? But I, in my journey in doing hip-hop and doing art and doing movies and doing plays and doing books and doing all these different things and running around the world, all humans have the same problem. You see it everywhere and I agree with you. All it's just humans. that hip-hop is, is a global culture. Hip-hop is a voice for teenagers mm. that are coming from an extreme circumstance and usually are in a place where they have trauma that they have not recognized yet. Mm -hmm. That's what hip-hop is. But you grow out of that. You become older. So, you know, some, some motherfuckers turn on and <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I remember the moment Rockefeller went from, like, T-shirts and motherfuckers started wearing collar shirts with, with a conscious effort to be like, yo, I'm older now. I wasn't with it. But it happened that way. I love this. You and I used to always have this conversation about the meaning of art and commerce. Mm. And I think that's, like, a very iconic concept. Because a lot of people feel like they have to dumb down their voice or dumb down their vision in order to create something that would be acceptable accessible well, they, to them. They, they think they have to dumb down their vision to because they have to make it for dumb people that's why like you know sometimes so I are they not giving people enough credit or, or are they actually dumb it's just don't fit in i, I think it, you know it's like yo it ain't for you just you know i can, again i smoke weed because people are very silly around me. you know what i'm saying like the whole world to me is like moving you know even in technology Purposely, we're about a thousand, or at least a hundred or two years behind. Just like you know, we could have gotten energy for free out the air a hundred years ago, but we're still using gas. Yeah. You know, I mean, even though we know, so that's intentional to keep us stupid to keep us controlled. Right. Which, the way you control people is with fear, and everybody's scared. What do you think the most fundamental fear is? Like, if you were to sum judgment, up. everyone's scared of what everybody else is thinking. Mm -hmm. Everyone's just scared for no reason. Scared. How would you tell someone who's stuck in that? I'm actually really curious. That's my life. It's telling people that are stuck in that. I but make a television network. How do you, how do you motivate them content. out of it? How do you motivate them I out of it? I lead by example. Mm -hmm. If I'm doing it with no fear and I'm 50, you can do it with no fear. You're only 18, 19, 20, 21, mm -hmm. 22, 23, 24, 25. Motherfuckers be scared their whole life. I'm so sick of people scared for nothing and I just don't know why. Just scared. Just make themselves stressed out for no fucking reason. Almost every girl yeah. I know takes a pill in the middle of the day to be happy. Like 99%. I heard that, yeah, like 90% of the population is medicated. Yeah, they're all depressed because they're living in a, a world that they're being controlled. They're told they're free, but they're really not. Mm -hmm. That would depress anybody. You know, dolphins get depressed when they're in, 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 and try to kill themselves when, when, when they get captured and uh you know they're in the games and, and you know i mean no one wants to be a slave do you think fear is the absence of love fear is the, ab is the absence of, of, of heart 
courage. Connection. It's just fear. I don't understand. Like that's one thing I'm not fucking with is fear. When have you been scared? I be scared for other people. Okay. That's when I'm scared. Like you, I might hurt you, bro. Okay. And I'm Sorry. really scared for you. Okay. You know, I'm scared about how I might react to what you're doing okay. on the wrong day. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm scared for people I love. Like when Nicolette goes outside, I'm scared. Anything can happen. You know what I mean? Okay. You just never know. You know what I mean? It's okay. like when people go outside the bubble that are in my bubble, I'm, I have fear for them. Okay. You know, but shit, like we already know what the, what's going to happen in life. They're all going to die. Mm-hmm. It's everyone's going to die. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's no reason to be scared of that. You know what I'm saying? Just it's how you deal with it. And how would you explain to people in the world your perspective on persona and the, the idea of us? I think we're all actors here, like embodying archetype and playing different roles in our relationships and dynamics and things. Compared to the essence, like who you actually really 